last week, I had a friend, he preached down in the, um, in the breakfast downstairs uh, Sunday morning, and he pulled me aside and just said, hey, um, can you give me some feedback on this on the sermon I just preached? He just wanted to get another set of eyes on the sermon he preached. That's all he wanted to do. He, he, he wanted to get perspective. He wanted to be helped. This morning, in Revelation 5, we're going to get some perspective. We're going to get some help. Now, I know that you probably realize that today is the first Sunday of Advent. And starting next week, we're going to get into Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And through Isaiah, we're going to meditate on this one, this child born unto us who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the government's on his shoulders. We're going to start meditating on that next Sunday, but this Sunday... We're not going to be in the manger. We're going to be in a throne room with a heavenly perspective. Revelation 5 has a timely word for us, Christ the King Church, to see things as they are right now, to see the one who is worthy. Just to give you a little background in the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, you have seven letters written to seven struggling churches. They are just trying to seek to be faithful in the cultures that we're in. And the risen Christ speaks to them through John, and he calls each one of them to conquer, to overcome, to don't give in, don't back down, to press on. And in chapters 4 and 5, the, the shift changes from the struggle on earth to this glorious heavenly scene in the throne room on high. And there's basically two acts to the drama that plays out in Revelation 4 and 5. Act 1 is the one seated on the throne, chapter 4. And act 2 is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the one on the throne, for he created all things. And worthy is the lamb who was slain, for by his blood he purchased a people. We have here in the heavenly throne room a vision that is going to carry us through the rest of the book of Revelation. Everything works out of the heavenly throne room. God is in control. And so now as we turn to chapter 5, this act 2 has actually three scenes. It starts with a situation, verses 1 through 4, a rather hopeless situation. And then it moves on to an appearing in verses 5 and 7, and it is a surprise appearing. I can't wait for you to see it. And then in verses 8 through 14, following this appearance, there is this spreading chorus of praise that goes to the end of the earth, worthy. Worthy is the one who is slain. 
this chapter offers us a perspective that changes the way we live our lives. So let's look at the situation in verses 1 through 4. We're in the throne room of heaven, and we see, verse 5, John say, Then I saw, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. We are to see what John sees on the throne. The Ancient of Days. Surrounding him is four living creatures. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and and was and will be. Chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to the one sitting on the throne to receive glory and power and honor for you created all things. This one seated on the throne has in his hand a scroll. You see that? John wants us to see that. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll. It's in his right hand. His authoritative right hand. And we see that there is writing on this scroll. It's writing within on the, and on the back. It's both sides. It's this scroll that's been scrolled up and rolled up, and what you can see is writings all over it. It's like when I'm taking notes, when I hear someone else preach, I'm like writing everywhere, and eventually I got to go on the back side, and I'm finding all this different space in the bulletin. This scroll was just packed full of writing. And not only is it in his right hand, not only is it packed full of writing, it's sealed with seven seals. It was a wax imprint with a signet seal on it. And what that means is it was, it was private. Contents are only to be seen by those authorized. And there are seven seals. And we know from our study of the book of Revelation that seven means complete, means full. What are the contents of this detailed, undisclosed scroll in the right hand of the Ancient of Days on his throne? Well, if you flip back to chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, with a voice of a trumpet calls John to peer into the heavenly throne room and he says to John, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this, after the letters to the seven churches. This scroll is what must take place. It's God's plan for the Seven fullness of God. It's what must happen. It's his plan for the fullness of time to establish his saving reign on earth, which includes the pouring out of judgment on all who refuse to worship him and to vindicate all who have faithfully borne testimony to him and endured and maintained their worship 
lamb. Those seven seals mark this as the complete and full plan of God for all time. So do you see the scroll? And do you see it's in the hand of the Ancient of Days? In verse 2, we see something happen, and again, we're drawn with our eyes to see something. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open up the scroll and break its seals? This mighty angel is going to show up again in chapter 10, verse 1, and 18, verse 1. These, this mighty angel has this way of appearing in these dramatic moments in the, unre- the revealing of God's plan for the fullness of time. And this mighty angel is unusual even on angelic standards. He proclaims with a very loud voice, it's so that all of heaven and earth and under the earth can hear what he's about to say. And what does he say? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open up the scroll and break its seal? That word worthy, you got to think about it in terms of who, who is authorized to approach the throne, take the seal, take the scroll, look into it, and then accomplish everything written in it. Who's worthy of that? Who's qualified to do that? Have you ever seen some like personal ads in Craigslist or the newspaper? You've got men seeking women, women seeking men. Here we have a mighty angel seeking one who is worthy to accomplish God's plan for all time. This angel is calling out to all creation who is worthy to take the scroll in the hand of the Ancient of Days and execute it. Look at the response in verse 3. No one. No one in heaven. No one on earth. No one under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. All creation, not one qualified, authorized to open the scroll. No one worthy, not one of the 24 elders, not one of the four living creatures, not even this mighty angel, and no one on earth, no general, no king, no president, no CEO, no cabinet, no professor, no business board, no Nobel Prize winner, no one was able to open the scroll in all of creation. We have a situation. God's plan for the fullness of time held in the hand of the ancient of days. Someone do this. No one. No one. We've got a major vacancy. John sees it too. Look at verse 4. And John says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. That is not a whimpering. That's a wailing. 
wailing. And why is he wailing? No one, no one is able to, to open the throne. Remember, John himself has been exiled to this rock pile of an island called Patmos, and he was there because he was a faithful witness to Jesus. And he's just written down to these seven churches, seven letters, and calling them to overcome, to conquer, to be faithful, to press on. John himself has been overcoming, conquering, enduring. Now, if there is no one, if there's no one to take the scroll, if there's no one to carry out God's detailed plan for the fullness of time in accomplishing, setting his kingdom on earth, what's the point? What's the point of enduring? If there's no one to take up the, the scroll, what's the point of staying true, of witnessing at cost, of running the risk of straining relationships with those people you love most because you're, you're living for Jesus Hey, if there's no one to take up the scroll, what's the point? And then, if nobody takes up the scroll, sin goes unchecked. Death has the final word. The devil has his way. If there's no one worthy to take up the scroll, there is no hope for us. Do you want to know why John's crying? He's experiencing a hopelessness, a despair. Oh no. Is God's plan in jeopardy? Maybe you're coming to the building today and I mean you're 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 feeling hopeless. You're despairing. You think that chaos rules the day. Random acts of evil. There's no one in charge. Why is this happening? What's the point? Christmas rolls around and for some of us in the room, Christmas can be like a welcome distraction to the chaos. For others of us in this room, Christmas can be more of a reminder of the chaos. It can be a season of despair. So some people conclude, hey, this messed up world is all that we got and there's nobody to take up the scroll. So, hey, eat, drink, and bear, be merry. Sin goes unchecked. Death triumphs. The devil wreaks his havoc. Who can take up the scroll? Is there really no one worthy to open the scroll? Is this our situation today? Hardness abounds, difficulty, not just in Kenosha, but brothers and sisters around the world, North Korea, Iran, Western China, Nicaragua. If there's nobody to take up the, the scroll, what's, what's the point? If God's plan isn't going to be fulfilled, why bother? Are you hopeless this morning? Are you despairing? 
Have you been wondering if Christianity following Jesus is worth it? Is anyone worthy to take up the scroll and execute God's plan for the fullness of time? That's the situation. Now, for the surprise. In verses 5 and 7, 5 through 7, we see an appearing, and there's a surprise. You've got to see it. So John, in verse 4, is weeping loudly. And in verse 5, one of the 24 elders goes to John, and he interrupts him. And the elder says, weep no more. John, stop your weeping. John, you must not despair. John, you must not be hopeless. Why not? There is one who is worthy. Someone has stepped up to the throne. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David, we just sung it, they are titles of the coming Messiah, the long-anticipated king who would exercise dominion over all creation, bringing a kingdom of grace the Lion of Judah is taken from Genesis 49.9 where Jacob blesses his sons and to Judah he says, you are a lion and from your tribe the scepter will not depart. It's kingly talk. The Lion King. And what we know is that Jesus, from Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy, Jesus is a descendant from the line of Judah. Judah is from Jacob. Jacob from Isaac. Isaac from Abraham. And it was to Abraham that God said, I will bless all the nations of the world through your seed. The line of Judah will bring blessing for the nations. But then there's also the root of David. It echoes Isaiah chapter 11, the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's dad. And it's Isaiah 11 that the Messiah would be completely filled by the Holy Spirit. And he will bring peace. He will cause the wolf to shout, lie down with the lamb. Peace. And what makes this wording very interesting is that the Messiah is the root of David. The source of David. This Messiah is David's greater son, Psalm 110. These titles, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, they point to a king who's going to establish a kingdom of blessing and peace. The one worthy to take the scroll from the hand of the Ancient of Days. And did you notice the line of Judah, the root of David? David's greater son, he has conquered. 
in the original language, it's very intentional and emphatic. This is a past tense event. It has already happened. The victory has been won. The triumph has already been accomplished. The, the thinking here is the Lion King, David's greater son, has already won the victory over sin, death, and the devil, and it's just going to get worked out. This victory is the basis for what qualifies this one to take up the throne. He has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So this elder interrupts the weeping John, says, John, stop your weeping. There is one who is worthy because he's already conquered. He is the Lion King, David's greater son. The warrior king has won. And that first word, behold, weep no more, behold, the elder is saying, there he is. Look. Now, don't look at the next verse. What are you expecting to see? You read descriptions of the lion of Judah. What do lions do? They crush and they tear and they pierce with their teeth. You hear the name David and you think of a warrior king. Battle-hardened, shedding blood. Behold, the Lion King, the Root of David. And everybody is expecting what? Six foot two guy, 4% BMI. He's ready to rock. The stage is set for the appearing of the Lion of Judah. The stage is set for the appearing of the Root of David. The one who's conquered. The one who's worthy to take up the scroll. And what do you see? Surprise. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, right in the middle of the throne, right in the middle of it all, what do you see? A lamb that had been slaughtered. Surprise. A lamb. This particular word means a young lamb, a helpless lamb, a lamb. There have been different descriptions of Jesus leading up to this point, but this title, lamb, is what carries the day through the book of Revelation. 27 times from chapter 4 on, Jesus is referred to as the lamb. He's standing. He's been slaughtered, bled out, bearing the marks, and he's standing. He's alive. Here's the connection. This juxtaposition is to make a point. The Lion of Judah 
David's greater son, won the victory by becoming a lamb, sacrificing himself, humbling himself, and being slaughtered. When you hear lamb, there's a couple Old Testament passages that should be floating up in your mind. Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb, the lamb that was slaughtered, its blood was, was, was spread over the doorposts and the angel of death was passed over and they were delivered. God's people delivered through the blood of the lamb. And then what also should be in your mind is in Isaiah 53, the lamb that is led to the slaughter. And speaking of the Messiah, the suffering servant who would take the place of his people by bearing on himself the wrath intended for them. By his stripes we are healed. You see, the lion triumphed by not crushing his enemies, but by being crushed for his enemies. The root of David he did not shed the blood of his enemies in conquering. He shed his own blood for his enemies to triumph. He became a servant. He took on the nature of a servant came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's the victory. The victory, one, was a triumph through self-sacrifice, through a substitutionary death, and that qualifies him to take hold of the scroll. What John is seeing is a very vivid explanation of how the line of Judah, David's greater son, Jesus Christ, has conquered. And we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that such foolishness in the eyes of the wise, such weakness in the eyes of the strong, to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's a true victory. It's a true win. When Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished and breathed his last, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, he triumphed over sin, death, and the devil. And this cross work uniquely qualifies him to take the scroll, open it, and carry it out to the full. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. What we're seeing here is that the cross inaugurated the kingdom of God on earth, and now the risen Christ, given full authority, the scroll, is carrying out God's plan to establish God's kingdom on earth that will be consummated when he comes back. You may have noticed in verse 6 a couple other things. That this lamb has seven horns. Horn is a connotation of strength. Seven, of course, means complete and full, all-powerful. This humbled lamb 
He's all-powerful. And he has seven eyes, omniscience, complete knowledge. And notice that those seven eyes are described as the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And, and if you've been with us in our study of Revelation, it's a reference to the one Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talks about sending out the Holy Spirit to bear witness to him and to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He knows everything. This lamb. And then in verse 7, the lamb approaches the throne and takes the scroll from the right hand of the one who sits on the throne. You got to understand this is a Daniel 7 moment. The throne room. The son of man, the lamb, approaches the ancient of days. And the ancient of days gives him dominion over all kingdoms of peoples and languages and nations. The scroll is in the hands of the Lamb now. The Lamb is working out God's detailed plan for the fullness of time to establish His saving reign on earth. Surprise. Who was worthy to open the scroll? A lamb that was slaughtered. To the wise, it's foolishness. To the strong, it's weak. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Do, do you see the lamb? And do you see he is worthy because of what he has done? All the inhabitants of heaven do. In verse 8, we make a transition from the surprise appearance of the Lamb now to a spreading chorus of ceaseless praise. Verses 8 through 14. But you've got to understand, the praise doesn't start in verse 9. The praise starts in the previous chapter. For eight, four living creatures, holy, holy, holy is the God, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 4.11, the 24 elders get in on the action, falling down before him. They cast their crowns. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. There's the worthy, and then there's the reason, for. And so we see this start of a spreading chorus of ceaseless praise in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, after the appearing of the Lamb who is worthy to take the scroll because he is a slain Lamb standing, praise erupts. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, the living creatures and the elders are now combined. The inner circle around the throne, the entourage, is now falling down before the Lamb. Which means they're worshiping the Lamb as they worship the Ancient of Days. Which means the Lamb is fully God. And then it just starts to spread. 
the, the, the harp in their hands is they're getting ready to sing. They're going to sing a new song, verse 9. And the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, we're going to come back to that in a few weeks when we're in chapter 8. Those prayers are specific prayers from our particular group of saints. But notice in verse 9, the 28 in the inner sanctum, inner circle, they sang a new song to the Lamb. Whenever you come across those words, new song in the Old Testament, new songs were always sung when God's people experienced this fresh deliverance, this fresh outpouring of God's grace, a new song for a new work of God's amazing grace, and that is exactly what we're seeing here. A new song is being sung for a new work God is doing through the Lamb. The praise is is proclaimed to the Lamb. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. And now the four. Just like in verse 11, worthy for reason. Now we're given for the Lamb. Worthy are you for reason number one. A new work. For you were slain. It's a new work of grace. A new work in God's plan of salvation. And not only is he worthy because of this new work for you were slain. He substituted himself. It's a new work creating a new people. For by your blood you ransomed. You purchased people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. This new work is creating a new people group. Before, under the old covenant, it was mono-ethnic, ethnic Israel, worshiping God with one language in one place. And now this new work of the Lamb blows that, the doors wide open. And now through the blood that Jesus shed, he is purchasing for himself a people from, from every tribe and language and people and nation. From mono-ethnic to multi-ethnic. And we believe God is doing a multi-ethnic work here. Gathering a people for himself that in the world's eyes typically have no business dealing with each other. But in Christ, we've got all business dealing with each other. This new song is about a new work of a formation of a purchase of a new people through the blood of Jesus. And they all have a new purpose in verse 10. You've made them a kingdom. And priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. This kingdom and priests language was originally used of God speaking to his people, his, his mono-ethnic people, Israel, Exodus 19. Saying, you, you're my people. I'm your God. And now, with this new work of the Lamb... This, this description of Israel, mono-ethnic Israel, is now being applied to this new group of multi-ethnic blood-bought people, the church. 
It's the priesthood of all multi-ethnic believers. And we're to reign with him. Some commentators think that this reigning with God is, is a reigning that will happen in the new heavens and the new earth. Some commentators think that this reigning is, is with Christ now on the present earth. I happen to think both are true. We will reign with him in the new heavens and the new earth. But we reign with him now. As he inaugurated his kingdom, our reign is exercised through humility and through servanthood and through self-sacrifice. Even when it looks foolish and weak, it's the way of the lamb. That's how we reign with him now. In verses, these verses, what you realize is the living creatures and the 24 elders, this inner circle You know who they're singing about? They're singing about us. This work that God has done, we're the reason that Jesus is worthy. He shed his blood for us. This praise spreads from the inner group now to an outer group. We see that. In verse 11, and then I looked, I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. A myriad is literally 10,000. And so when you see a myriad and myriad, you're supposed to multiply them. 10,000 times 10,000. Do you know how many that is? 100 million. I don't think we're supposed to be counting them. I think the intent is they're more than we can count. And this huge throng of angels in heaven, they, they gather around the, the Lamb and they, and they say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. All of the angelic host are gathered around the throne to give the praise due the Lamb. He's worthy. Count with me. Power, one. Wealth, two. Wisdom, three. Might, four. Honor, five. Glory, six. Blessing, seven. Fullness of praise. Full and complete praise from the angelic host surrounding the very throne to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And then it goes beyond heaven to the earth. Verse 13, we read, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We move from heaven And now we move to earth, and we move all over, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, all that is in them, every living thing, including you and me. The first two choruses in chapter 4, 
Worthy are you, the one who sits on the throne, the creator. The second two choruses in, in Revelation chapter 5, worthy to the, is the lamb who was slain, the redeemer. And then this last chorus, it's a chorus to both the ancient of days and to the lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. all of creation. We're not sure, it's hard to know if this is now or what will happen, What's the destiny of all of us. To give praise and glory to the triune God for what he has done in heaven and on earth. Worthy, worthy is this one to take up the scroll. In verse 14, we see the response of the entourage, the four living creatures and the elders. The four living creatures see all of creation giving right praise to God and they say, Amen. That's right. And then the 24 elders, they close the service by falling and worshiping. A very appropriate, appropriate response. Chapter 5 starts with a rather hopeless situation. Who is worthy? And then it moves on to this surprise appearing. Worthy is the Lamb. And then it's the spreading of praise. From heaven and on earth. All earth and under the earth. The very ones who were quiet when the angel said, who is worthy to open the scroll? When they couldn't answer, now they do. Worthy is the Lamb. Gives us some perspective. It helps us to see what is really going on. Who is worthy? It helps us, it gives us perspective on this person. This lamb is God. It gives us perspective on his position. He's, he's not in a manger anymore. He's on the throne. It, it, it gives us a sense of the priority of his death. The, the slain lamb, what he accomplished, is central to the throne. He's being worshipped for it in heaven right now. You never outgrow it. We'll never get used to it. It was the act that makes him worthy to execute God's plan for the fullness of time. He's got a plan. The scroll is in his hand now. You don't need to weep. You don't need to despair. You don't need to be hopeless. Worthy is the lamb. He's been given the scroll in four. When we get back into Revelation in January, we're going to see the lamb Execute judgment after judgment after judgment. The breaking of seals. He's in control, carrying out God's plan. No need to despair. The bottom line is this fuels our perseverance. We overcome because he overcame. And he's on high, carrying out 
the plan of the Ancient of Days. Worthy is the Lamb. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Revelation chapter 5. Lord, would you help us to sing your praises now in light of Revelation chapter 5 and the much-needed perspective it gives us. In Jesus' name, amen.